Welcome to In the Interest of National Security. I am Professor Ryan Vogel, Director of the Center for National Security Studies at Utah Valley University. And I'm Professor Jonathan Rudd, Associate Director of the Center for National Security Studies. The Center for National Security Studies was founded in 2016. Our program provides many unique opportunities for students, and today we'd like to highlight our recently established Emerging Technology Policy Lab. To assist us in introducing the lab, we have invited Brandon Amaker to the podcast. Brandon graduated from UVU with degrees in national security and business management. He has worked in the cybersecurity field for Mandiant, helped create and teach our cybersecurity policy and cyber warfare course, and is the director of the Emerging Tech Policy Lab. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Brandon, could you give us a brief overview of your career and how you got interested in cybersecurity? Yeah, so... I've always been interested in technology, but I would say I really got my springboard into the cyber field when I landed an internship uh, in my junior year of college at a firm called Agile PQ. They were a a government contractor focused on post-quantum data encryption and also securing Internet of Things, so sensors, you know, automation. And after I graduated, actually, I got my first job there, did a bunch of uh, defense contracting stuff for Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security there. Uh, and then from there, as you guys said, moved over to larger company, FireEye, Mandiant. There's a whole lot of complicated business stuff as to why there's two names there, so I won't get into that. But I uh, did strategic development for them for a while. And uh, yeah, that's a, kind of a brief overview of the career. But I, cybersecurity always kind of caught my eye just because it was a good blend of both you know, business, technology, and a lot of the national security interests, which I've talked about. It's, you know, interesting watching some of these nation states interact uh, in an environment where there's no attention or no direct, oftentimes no direct attribution. It's interesting to see how that all plays out. So that's how kind of sparked my interest. Great. And I'm sure like with that and in your time in that area, um, I'm sure there was a lot of interplay that you were able to see between the government sector and the private sector um, and the importance of um, coordinating in, in that effort. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's really interesting, you know, seeing, you know, while I was at Mandy and we, you know, kind of one of our claims to fame is that we're the fifth largest cyber uh, into threat intelligence network in the world <laughs> yeah. behind four governments. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's cool, you know, get, getting having access to that intelligence and kind of looking through what's going on. And what you realize oftentimes is that these private companies, their security teams are up against nation state actors, right? They're up against, you know, these units from heavily funded nation states, you know, China, Russia, North Korea, Iran. And so it's not necessarily even just, you know, the importance of coordinating with the government, but it's, you know, we have foreign governments going directly after private institutions who are, uh, you know, liable for what happens should their security team fail against these much bigger, much, much better funded uh, adversaries. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting world. Yeah, well, it's great because this past semester uh, you were able to come in and actually create and teach a course here at UVU in cybersecurity policy. Um, you know, how was that course received and what were some of the highlights? You know, I actually was really happy with how it was received. I was a little nervous at first because a lot of people, I think, have an allergic reaction whenever they hear the word cyber because <laughs> they think it means boring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or they thought, you know, I was going to have them sitting in there, you know, looking through a bunch of, you know, 
code or looking through logs to find abnormalities. But in reality, what it was, was just very focused on the practice of cybersecurity, talking about strategy, talking about, hey, you know, I would ta- I would teach them a module going over a nation state, going over a certain type of attack. And then the next day it was focusing on applying that and practicing it and giving them a real world, real scenario and having them think through it, think through the strategy, think through what could you do to remediate it? What would a whole of government response look like? How do you coordinate with the private sector? And I think giving them the chance to really exercise that and apply it directly made it really fun. And I got a lot of positive feedback from students that they enjoyed that applied learning experience, that it wasn't just theoretical, some, you know, me, some nerdy guy (laughs) talking to them about cyber for, you know, three hours a week. It was, they actually got to see how it applied and they got to see how serious some of these situations can be and what it could look like. So And a much more engaged learning experience. I I hope so. I hope so. We've talked about that before, though, but it, it is interesting that students feel much more comfortable talking about weapon systems, nuclear, you know, these kinds of things that they also don't understand, you know, the, the technicalities, the, uh, you know, the background behind it. And yet cyber is this area that I think there's almost a reflexive, I don't understand that, I couldn't understand that, right. um, and, and I don't want to engage in those kinds of things. But they present the same challenges. They're a tool that uh, is used by uh, both foreign adversaries and uh, terrorist groups and criminal groups and uh, all kinds of actors. Right. No, I completely agree. And I think part of that is maybe that, you know, you can understand a missile is like, you know, if it blows up, you're like, okay, I understand why that's a problem. I understand why that's dangerous. But a lot of people, when I think they hear cyber weapon, they think, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to, you know, I'm going to have to cancel my credit card. But in all reality, you know, they don't understand that cyber weapons can cause unbelievable amounts of damage, oftentimes more damage than a conventional weapon, depending on how they're implemented. So once they, that concept sinks in, I think the excitement level, which might sound strange, but you know, we're national security people. We, we like, (laughs) we like destructive things. So, uh, you know, once that kind of sinks in, the excitement level goes up when they realize, Oh, this is actually a big deal. This is serious. So turning to your current position, you're the director of the Emerging Tech Policy Lab for the Intermountain Intelligence Industry and Security Consortium. That's a mouthful, uh, known as I3SC. <laughs> Can you explain what the MTech Policy Lab does, what its purpose is? Yeah, absolutely. So the MTech Lab is really intended to provide services for Utah industry and government. Uh, surrounding emerging technologies that they don't have access to right now. Um, One of the things about emerging technologies, if you know anything about not only cyber, but artificial intelligence, you know, machine learning, automation, is that there is a huge shortage of expertise in that area. And uh, people are willing to pay a lot of money. So, you know, you have consulting firms that charge unbelievable amounts of money to provide these services for large companies. And it, it kind of leaves a hole for those small to mid-sized businesses, local municipal governments that they can't really afford that help in navigating it. So our goal is to fill that niche using student resources, using academic resources, and then also blending that with expertise from industry professionals to provide research intelligence uh, think pieces on those topics to help Utahns uh, navigate that. So how might a business utilize your products then? Like, let's say it's, it's, uh, you know, some business here in Utah County, um, and they are thinking about, you know, these kind of over the horizon issues that might affect them. How how would they utilize what you guys are doing? 
So it's a really good question. I think there's a couple different ways to go about it. One is, you know, utilizing us directly and coming to us and asking, hey, you know, for example, we've had some conversations with people in the Utah financial sector, you know, people who were uh, heads of credit unions or local banks saying, hey, we really could use some help navigating uh, cryptocurrency, you know, adopting cryptocurrency offerings. What does that look like? What are the threats? What are the potential benefits? So, you know, direct engagement like that on a particular issue is one way to go about it. And two is just monitoring what we're releasing because, you know, we're, our goal is to release not only products that are directly targeted at people that we're engaged with, but also things that will be broadly useful. So for example, one thing we're working on is a uh, cyber preparedness report, which of course is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> but talking about, hey, what is the current state of Utah businesses cybersecurity? Where is investment taking place? Where are we maybe lagging behind what would be necessary? So there will both be a report on the current state of it, but then also resources, manuals, guides on remediation for businesses that maybe don't have a super extensive IT security staff right now. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, great. You know, we talked about how um, UVU has this Center for National Security Studies and one of the few uh, national security studies degrees and programs in the West. Uh, I believe the only undergraduate one in the state, uh, but also Utah State University has their Center for Anticipatory Intelligence and um, this I3SC. Can you explain kind of the role of UVU and how we interface with Utah State uh, with this I3SC program? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'll do the best I can here to articulate this, but I would like to think that UVU and USU, these two programs, they're, they're like sister programs and they're complementary in that they cover some of the same things, but they do it in a very different and unique way. Uh, UVU is undergraduate focused. It's very focused on, you know, intelligence preparing people for uh, careers in national security. And Kai does the same thing, Center for Anticipatory Intelligence, apologies, uh, at USU does the same thing. But they're more about taking uh, people from other majors and trying to blend in kind of some of that anticipatory intelligence uh, lens to it. And they're also a graduate program. So I think the two programs are very complementary and that we have a lot of students that will come from one and go to the other and bounce back and forth. And the I3SC is planning on leveraging students from both and resources from both in order to provide the services, which we already spoke about. So I think it's a, a great partnership. And so what kind of opportunities are there for students from both UVU and USU within this program? So one thing that we love about it is, uh, about the program is that it allows for students to get practical experience doing something that is in high demand, as I said. So students from both programs are able to apply to become analysts in the MTech program. And what that entails is doing the research, consulting with these with these teams producing these products, working with me in what I am creating to be as close to a real world consultative environment as possible. Mm. So that is the opportunity is to kind of get some of that experience that in the real world, you can get paid a lot of money to do. So getting that notch in your belt, getting that on your resume and learning, okay, what does it look like to operate in that kind of an environment? That's great. And we may be already touched on this somewhat, but as the director of the MTech lab, um, what what do you see as your kind of main goal or main focus for the, the next year or so? Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of it is just going to be producing some high quality work so that we can gain recognition in the area as a resource that 
these people want to turn to, right? That municipal governments and small businesses look to when they have an issue here. Um, I personally believe that, you know, the recognition as a something that's trustworthy is earned. And so I want to make some of our initial products really top of the line so that and something that businesses are able to easily extract value from so that they're able to look at it and immediately say, okay, this is something that we can go back to. This is something we should be monitoring going forward. And maybe even this is something that we want to engage with directly for something that we're dealing with. And certainly for us in in Utah, in particular with the Silicon Slopes, uh, this seems like definitely a value added for the state and and for the region. Yeah, very involved with Silicon Slopes, so uh, I completely agree. Jonathan's right. Uh, In many ways, this is the perfect place to have a program like this, sitting in the tech sector here in Utah. Um, What areas do you plan on covering with your group, and and what role do you see yourself playing in the broader tech and cybersecurity community here? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, uh, cybersecurity, right, that's near and dear to my heart. Quantum information sciences, which I already have uh, experience in, artificial intelligence, automation, cryptocurrency, blockchain, uh, you know, aerospace, you know, particularly with, you know, space and how that is kind of becoming a new layer for networking, uh, biotechnologies, really we're pretty extensive when it comes to the areas in which we're covering with emerging technologies. But because in all honesty, all those technologies, although they are distinct, they intersect and their effects, you know, they multiply in those areas where they cross over. And I think we're going to see more and more crossover in the coming years. So brought lots of areas of focus, which might sound unfocused, but it's uh, it's all necessary, and it's uh, it's great having a broad student base with and you know professional network, which we are leveraging to to get that done. That's great. I mean, I remember uh, when I was still in government, we relied on entities like what you're doing here to uh, really help us to get smart on things that we just didn't have time to deep dive into. Right. You guys are creating creating products that will be valuable for both the private sector, like you're saying, municipal governments, even the state government, um, and I think really carve a reputation and a, a, a role here in the community for you know smart thinking on these kinds of cutting edge issues. Yeah, well, thank you. That's the, that's the plan. <laughs> Great. Well, this has been uh, very interesting. I think it's, a, it's some exciting work, and I know our students are, are excited to be uh, part of the MTech Lab. So, Brandon, thank you for your time. Uh, good luck with your work at uh, I3SC in the MTech Lab, and we look forward to having you back on the podcast to discuss cybersecurity and maybe some more uh, specific issues in that field in the future. Absolutely. Love to. This has been an episode of In the Interest of National Security. Our guest has been Brandon Amaker, Director of the Emerging Tech Policy Lab at UVU. The views expressed on this show are those of the host or our guest, and not necessarily Utah Valley University or the Center for National Security Studies. Today's episode was produced by Taylin Peterson, Baxter Elwood, Dylan Marley, Nathan Griffith, and Joshua Coyman. And our theme music was produced by Parker Rudd. Follow us on Instagram at iins.podcast to receive news and updates regarding future content. You can also join us by subscribing at Spotify or iTunes and become part of this vibrant and growing community. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you join us next time for another episode of In the Interest of National Security.